Hello and welcome to Pali, the Hindu's weekly discussion podcast. I'm Prashant Verma, your host for today. One of the defining economic trends of the year has been the rapid rise of cryptocurrencies. After the Supreme Court's last year overturned the RBI's 2018 order banning the banning various financial institutions from enabling cryptocurrency transactions there's been a huge rush of retail investors in india into cryptocurrencies notably all of these cryptocurrencies have hit all time highs this year yet the risk of governments cracking down on these private currencies still remains the indian government on wednesday announced that will introduce a bill in the coming parliamentary session seeking to ban private cryptocurrencies except uh, with a few exceptions uh, many commentators see the rise of cryptocurrencies as similar to the tulip bubble and the dot com bubble but the enthusiasts or the crypto enthusiasts see the crypto revolution as something that's unstoppable they also argue that uh, it'll not be easy to ban private currencies the way governments think they could uh, to discuss this issue i have with me uh professor parag maknis who is an associate professor at uh, ambedkar university and also akshit srivastava who is a serial entrepreneur and an investor in cryptocurrencies so welcome to both of you thank you prashant for being on the podcast thanks prashant i start with my first question uh, so i want to get, get into the fire, like both of your views uh, on what exactly do you think is the fundamental value that uh, cryptocurrencies offer to investors so uh, from an investing perspective what is the fundamental value that many of these investors see i think para can you start uh, you i like your view on this first yeah thank you again uh, for having me on the podcast according to me the value the fundamental value of a cryptocurrency is uh, the option that is uh, that it allows investors so i think uh, traditionally gold has been uh, one of the sound options for investors to save outside of the financial uh, system so they could hedge not only against inflation but also against the risk uh, that is inherent in any financial system now uh, crypto another such option which allows people to save in uh, in something that is outside the financial system uh it is not regulated by the financial system though its value fluctuates probably more than gold uh but as we have seen uh over the period of the pandemic it has offered phenomenal returns much more returns than uh, uh than gold uh has been able to offer so uh in any sense uh, uh when we think about a fundamental value and what it's uh, what an, uh, an assets fundamental value and what its current value is uh, it's always debatable whether uh, the current valuation is the appropriate valuation or not because there's always a there has to be a benchmark right and the benchmark most of the times comes from expectations across investors aggregated or you have to have some model in your mind to determine the value of it so in that sense of course uh, there are going to be disagreements in terms of what should be the value of cryptocurrency so uh, many people might call it just a bubble but then so uh, money is also a bubble so just because it's a bubble it doesn't have to be uh, stigmatized in any fundamental way 
uh, that's i think i'll stop here for the uh, uh, for the introductory question akshit your take according to me <laughs> so first and foremost cryptocurrency is not just like one asset that we are looking at it's a entire asset class and you can plot the risk reward equation on a asset curve right so that's point one to get into the specifics what are the specific advantages or the fundamental value of cryptocurrency so let me use two examples there so one is that bitcoin if we consider it to be the alpha cryptocurrency the primary advantage of cryptocurrency is the mathematically designed blockchain network with finite supply which is of 21 million that is going to be released as per the specific rules that have been ensured on the network so this gives you a better hedge compared to gold in terms of ensuring the supply gold had been a great asset in the past for example if you go 4000 years ago almost 80 90% of the world supply was in gold money supply was in gold if you go back like in the middle ages almost 40% 50% of the world supply was in gold if you consider it now what part of gold makes money it's like 2% of the supply right so over time the gold has come down and uh, even the way the gold is extracted it's not mathematically driven for that matter any commodity the way it operates it's not uh, the uh, the inflation of the supply that happens with the commodity it is not mathematically designed and driven so bitcoin is a sounder fundamental currency that can compete against gold so that's part one the second part of the cryptocurrency can be adjudicated by bringing in coins like ethereum into the network which are more application based coins so they have systems and processes can be developed around the ethereum blockchain network for example right we are talking about metaverse metaverse itself is valued at by different commentators it has been valued at 30 trillion dollar alone right now bitcoin trades at a valuation of a market cap of 1 trillion dollars right so and, and the entire crypto market cap is 3 trillion dollars right so there is a lot of ground to be made um, in terms of the application uh, now talking about specific applications and then i'll hand over the mic so ethereum would be the decentralized finance systems that are coming up uh, we all understand that there are certain problems in the banking space for example when you transfer money to your friend in the us there are significant charges that you incur if you go via any major bank in india right so why do you need these type of middlemen it's not as if that the government is making money by participating in this or making insane amount of money in this it's a friction that can be eliminated by the use of technology and final part is that any financial progress happens with time back in the 60s if you talk to people like you know in the 50s they would say that you know what i cannot imagine uh, withdrawing money from a machine but in the 60s people started doing that so the progress happened in 90s uh, you know with the invention of internet money started uh, traveling around faster along the growth in 2000s you had paypal uh, swift different forms of money transfer that could take place at a much much faster rate so progress is natural uh, technology comes in it uh, wipes out wipes out systems and process to that end these are the two key applications that i can give of cryptocurrencies two very different types of coins and yeah and that's the fundamental value according to me okay uh, to actually like follow up on that like from what you say i kind of understand it as like a transaction system or like a, a kind of similar to western union or something like that so very quickly there right so i mean honestly like every cryptocurrency has a different uh, different value add right some more than the other. consider uh, like the current monetary setup the primary problem with the monetary setup is that like last year right the covid crisis hit 
government puts on a printer and it starts printing more money now people who have saved for example if you had uh, 2000 rupees saved into your bank account last year and if the government printed 20 uh, you know 20% of the entire money supply that was there that's precisely what the us government did your money gets wiped out due to high inflation right because of the uh, inflation of the asset right because of excess abuse so the money gets tied out there is a specific problem because uh, the fiat currency is not gold pegged anymore post the britain wood standards right? so that's the simple problem that is happening uh, on bitcoin you can't do that so so bitcoin acts as a mathematically driven hedge it's technologically technologically driven so that's the first key part about bitcoin on ethereum it's application based certain applications for example decentralized finance so decentralized finance why do you think that you know we have like um, and let's say exchanges why do they work from only like 9:30 am to like 3:30 am right so that is a centralized exchange but on a decentralized network you can go and buy a cryptocurrency even at 12:30 am at night right even on a sunday right so that's decentralized finance coming in and and majority of these applications are built on ethereum okay okay oh, okay i'm more about to talk parak like there's the argument that uh, cryptocurrencies uh, first of all do they really have any use value or like exchange value like if, uh, with or like in terms of uh, like let's say i want to buy some goods from the store uh, the i don't think there are many stores in the world where actually i can exchange my uh, cryptocurrency whatever the cryptocurrency is into actual goods uh, or, or if you compare it to directly with gold or silver i can use the gold or silver to be, like produce actually jewelry or whatever like i don't see the application use value or exchange value when it comes to a cryptocurrency what's your take on that yeah i, I mean i agree with about uh, the the use of uh, blockchain technology as a technology in itself to create record keeping on a uh, on a decentralized basis so in that sense blockchain technology itself has uh, uh, has a great potential of reforming uh, financial record keeping uh and keeping track of asset transactions so that is one of the major use of blockchain technology now uh to currency as such cryptocurrency is more like an hedge asset so uh according to me it is uh in that terms it is equivalent to gold so technically what would happen is uh the possibility uh i mean at at least at this point we do not expect people to walk into a store and uh, directly use uh, cryptocurrency for buying goods and services because one uh, cryptocurrency still has to be converted uh, uh, some actual currency that can be used so it could be rupees it could be us dollars because one of the uh, one of the criteria for uh, any uh, any object to be money is that it should be also an unit of account so we uh, we we do not express prices in terms of how many bitcoins uh, uh, we are giving the governments do not accept taxes in uh, bitcoins or ethereum so so in that sense it currency so the currency in in a real technical sense it's kind of a misnomer uh, it's more like a crypto asset right and that asset is basically that it is supposed to be not as liquid as cash because clearly cash is the most liquid asset but then cash has uh, many disadvantages which can be uh, uh, which can be uh, kind of um, 
uh, where crypto assets basically have advantages. For example, so, uh, if you have a crypto balance, crypto asset balance, either a Bitcoin or Ethereum, and you happen to have uh, happen to be yourself in, let's say, some foreign country, and you can definitely uh, just convert that into the currency there. And I'm sure uh, the developed countries have uh, have much easier access to conversion capabilities than uh, in India, for say. And so, uh, it does allow uh, people to have uh, easier uh, to finances wherever they go in the world. So that's one important, uh, I think, uh, uh, feature of crypto asset that I think give, uh, gives them uh, uh, gives them a, uh, a head over uh, over cash. Now, another thing that I uh, think that gives advantage to crypto asset over cash or fiat money, uh, as uh, as we talked about. Uh, is basically the fact that it is outside of the government system, and uh, and you will see that uh, like I, I remember the days just uh, just after demonetization uh, when I was in US and many of my friends contacted me saying that oh we want to uh, invest in Bitcoin and uh, it was and I wasn't that much into bit uh, into cryptocurrency other than it just being part of uh, uh, part of a topic that I study monetary economics. And so I was like, okay, why are these people looking uh, to invest in cryptocurrency suddenly? And then the answer was obvious, is that cash uh, cash is based, the value of cash is based on trust. And when uh, when people see that you the value of that particular asset can be wiped out uh, overnight by one government diktat, uh, that is enough for people to create some amount of distrust Trust in the fund would uh, basically see that uh, most of the investments after that have been uh, in real assets. You could see that the prices of real estate went up. Uh, people flocked to gold uh, so much so that the governments had to bring in import controls on gold. And uh, another asset was basically crypto asset. So uh, that is the function of these kind of assets. So in that way, I think it is similar to uh, gold, it is outside of the financial system. Not have immediate use in uh, going into a store and buying something with Bitcoin, but it is uh, basically a hedge uh, against uh, any wide uh, system-wide action that can wipe out the value of the particular asset. And this is season basically like an alternative asset like gold or silver. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. let me just quickly jump in there. Sure, so sure, right yeah. now there are so right now there are more than twenty thousand businesses that are accepting Bitcoin. Uh, here in India, you can do it in India. I accept. I have businesses in India. People pay me in Bitcoin. I'm happy doing it. People can uh, I run a bunch of digital pro products, right? So they can buy that in Bitcoin. Not a problem. If I have to pay someone money outside India, I can convert my INR fiat into. USDT and transfer that at a very low gas fees, right? So even the transaction cost comes down. So that's A, use case, B. If you move to countries like a bunch of other different countries, right? I mean, and you can actually go a fractional value of Bitcoin. So there's no problem in terms of transacting in Bitcoin. In fact, rather, I would like to make the case that on gold, you can't do it. You can't go to Starbucks and 
pay like and shave off gold to um, buy a coffee that is not possible so that's point one point two is that see there is something fundamentally off in how the monetary system currently works and there are two ways we can look at it right so one is that um, the use of a fiat money is what right so people would say or economists would say that hey number one it's the store of value and it's the medium of exchange store of value not anymore right for example i can almost guarantee that if you have 100 rupees now if you go and deposit it in your xyz bank wherever you are interacting that bank is going to pay you 2 to 1/2% on your savings uh, savings bank right savings account and the inflation is going up at like 6 6.5% so net net by next year that 100 rupees becomes 96 for sure 100% that will happen right so is it a store of value the current fiat money absolutely not is it a medium of exchange yes it's a very liquid medium of exchange no problem there so people are flocking to something like so people the reason why the entire bitcoin got into prominence was because of the fact that the value was was being eroded systematically right it's it was it's not a one off instance right uh, right from 2008 due to quantitative easing more money supply being coming in every time the government turns on the printer the value of the money that you have saved it goes down that's a fact right so because of which people have started looking for better alternatives where some cannot abuse and create money at their will because that has the potential to wipe out your savings uh, for example if tomorrow government gets up government is nothing but a collection of people right i mean uh, what decision makers behind the door if they decide to print like 1 trillion dollar more your value goes down right whatever money you have worked hard saved that's the same problem pension funds are also facing as of now right so that is the precise problem that is the reason why bitcoin came into existence the fundamental value of bitcoin is is both value of bitcoin is that it is a great store of wealth the returns on bitcoin has been more than 150% over a year it has been unhacked for the last 10 12 years exchanges have been hacked but not bitcoin as a network blockchain network it is based on one of the best cryptography methods uh, that is there and if you look at the evolution of money we moved from like barter system right uh, from like uh, exchanging shells to metal coins to fiat now we have a better version of money which is bitcoin right from that perspective hack proof it is inflation proof it is yeah actually i understand as an alternative asset but is that also is like a huge risk against cryptocurrency because it's competing against fiat currencies so the whole risk of government regulation yeah that that depends on how you're defining it right for example if you're defining it as an as a as an asset class then it is competing against something like gold it is not competing against fiat money the, all the money so i mean this is an argument that a lot of crypto critics make that hey if we allow bitcoin who is going to buy into us dollars or inr if you actually structurally understand this entire problem us dollar is going to be the biggest beneficiary from this entire crypto movement there is a reason why senators in the us are accepting their salaries in bitcoin right more than 35 by the end of this year almost 35 to 40% of the us population will have some sort of cryptocurrency in their wallets right so that is going that is a fact right the adoption of cryptocurrencies especially bitcoin has been the fastest adoption of any technology on the it is literally changing the way you are interacting with technology the use cases for ethereum is one of the highest uh, the developer inflow on the ethereum networks the way defi systems are getting designed even people who are super bearish who have a lot to lose have accepted bitcoins or like cryptocurrencies two prime examples being one is jamie diamond from jp morgan chase 
and other is Ray Dalio, right? Both were crypto critics at the beginning. JP Morgan has no other option but to actually embrace the DeFi system. That Ethereum is powerful. All these are use cases. If you say that, hey, we are going to ban Bitcoin or we are going to ban Ethereum, the bottom line is that you are actually saying no to a big part of tech that can prove to be revolutionary. Think about it this way, right? For example, if India decides to ban Ethereum, right? We have said no to a DeFi system because no other developers will come and build a blockchain network for you and power it up for the government, right? It's like saying that, hey, government has a potential to beat Facebook in terms of building a social media network. They can't. It's a free will, right? If you want to join Facebook, you'll do it. If you don't want to join, you will not do it, right? Government has trouble keeping smart people within India itself, right? They leave abroad for better opportunities. Similarly, you can't push people to join your government-oriented crypto coins if there is no network adoption of that happening. Ethereum is already way ahead in the race. Systems are being developed. Metaverse is being created. Bunch of different, different good, good things are happening there. So the use case, it's already tested. We, it has grown uh, in two, three, $3 trillion. And about volatility around the asset class, which we can talk separately uh, about it. But bottom line is that if you take a view of like a five-year return period, it, Bitcoin on an average has averaged a return of 180% a year. It's one of the fastest growing assets, even in price and use cases. Just uh, before you, sorry. If yeah, I, just, I actually want to put the same question to you, actually. Like, how do you see the whole risk of governments actually going after cryptocurrencies uh, in the light of the yesterday's bill? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I remember we uh, had a similar kind of podcast last year as well, I think. And uh, I made a case that uh, basically it's, uh, it's a wrong thing to ban any uh, any asset unless there are some other compelling reasons to actually uh, do so. And I don't I do not really find anything in this particular case. It's just that you are basically going to create a uh, create a kind of an underground market, and people like these uh, are continue to invest in crypto assets. It's just that it will be uh, it will be hard to regulate, right? And it it probably also would increase uh, increase the the penalty cost for uh, people, and therefore uh, possibly more risk-averse investors would be uh, dissuaded from doing so. But overall, other than uh, uh, other than having a co- complete control over the monetary system in the in the economy, I don't see any other motive, any other economic rational for banning crypto assets. So the government should not do it. Uh, in fact, it should build a proper regulatory framework and uh, allow investment because it's like any other asset that you are uh, talking about. And then there are great benefits of the blockchain network itself uh, that uh, the government uh, can use uh, uh, for financial record keeping. So it's it's going to uh, it's going to uh, give away that advantage, and it's kind of anti- antithetical to say that the government will ban the uh, private crypto network and come up with its own crypto network because the whole idea of a crypto network is having a decentralized record keeping system, and uh, government having monopoly over a decentralized record keeping system that that itself is antithetical. Uh, uh, to each other, the, so uh, so it absolutely doesn't make sense uh, for governments to step into cryptocurrencies. On the other hand, there is a good case uh, for uh, 
for having a central bank digital currency maybe right which is a completely different uh, kind of uh, asset that we are talking about and has different benefits for the economy uh, but the government should not so they should not ban cryptocurrencies and should not step in and uh, and talk about creating a, a crypto network for themselves because as akshat said there will be adoption issues and secondly uh, it goes against the whole idea of having decentralized record keeping the fact that nobody has a monopoly over uh, creating records is uh, one of the main advantage do you think a ban is even possible with the cryptocurrencies like uh, that's exactly uh, that's another thing uh, which is there i mean if it, whether it is technologically feasible uh, maybe akshat has a better perspective on that but i do think that uh, it is uh, it may not be that tech, uh, it may not be technologically feasible to do so uh you could i mean what are you actually going to do in terms of uh i i'm, I'm not a technology expert so I'm, i i won't be able to com- comment on how actually it's going to be implemented but i'm sure if if the history of it and how people respond to it uh is to be considered if people want a good they will find a way of getting it so the thing is whether you uh, want to uh, whether you want to uh, make uh, make it possible or easier for people to uh, have access to that commodity and then create a regulatory structure or uh, you basically want to create a dictat and just say no uh, and then create a whole uh, uh whole kind of uh, which probably has more political advantages uh in terms of rents that it can uh that it can afford to uh, uh to people who wish to ban such kind of yeah akshit your take on the is it is it possible to ban cryptocurrencies sure so a couple of points a couple of really important points because i have been reading like so much chatter on twitter and uh, there is a lot of con position around that exactly are they going to ban versus not this is a very important part because when we say private cryptocurrencies people just assume that anything that is not government backed is private cryptocurrency right so which is not the correct understanding of course government will create its own definition but the definition or the consensus here is this that there are certain types of cryptocurrencies where you can look at the blockchain ledger and verify transactions on it for example if i am uh, transferring money on the blockchain network there is a very clear source of funds that is flowing from person a to person b that can be verified on the ledger that is a public cryptocurrency that is not a private cryptocurrency so that is not what governments are after private cryptocurrencies are currencies where the data can be masked these would be currencies like monero dash verge so these are the currencies that the government is looking to ban right so that's point 1 point 2 is so anything right again stressing on the fact that anything that is not government banned private in the crypto world right so this is a very very important differentiation because most of the holders of or most of the buyers of cryptocurrencies right now buy into bitcoin or ethereum that is not private cryptocurrency that's one second key point uh, regarding here is that government can ban something that it has control over for example if it is a single node for example what is money money is like a node that is sitting with rbi in india right and uh, us dollar is a node that is sitting somewhere with us reds so that is something that government can control now crypto transcend borders it's a technology based page technology based open source ledger 
you what part of it will you control you can't control the nature of the blockchain network itself you can't go to satoshi nakamoto or um, people who are behind the tech to ask them to make certain additions or deletions to their blockchain network you can't do it the rules have already been established you already have network effect on it right that is done what you can do is that you can regulate the way the advertisements work that is something that government will definitely do you can ensure people are buying cryptocurrencies right that is too that is what uh, government can do so we are over stressing on the fact that government can actually intervene and change the nature of the blockchain itself they can uh, they, they can step in and ask bitcoin to change its very nature that will not happen so can't they go after people who actually accept cryptocurrencies or whatever like uh, let's say like i guess like in, in india you can't probably transact using foreign currencies i guess right like hi can't they do something similar to bitcoin yeah no so that will be them to do for the simple fact that so let's do a thought exercise right for example let's Uh, yeah so let's do a thought exercise so let's say that i that everything so let's say that india institutes a ban very similar to china absolute blanket ban on on cryptocurrencies right uh, now what will happen right so simply put um, if that happens then can government also and let's say that us is allowing people to buy cryptocurrencies now can indian government say or like ask me not to transfer my money right in ina to us for example if i can legally do it if i have a us account or a relative or someone right i can do that right so government can't ban me from converting my money into us legally right so i do that i buy it from in the us i ask my friend in the us to transfer me in cryptocurrencies so that is a simple modalities around it you can't change because government does not control the ledger government does not control the blockchain government cannot even ascertain that who is behind that transaction person right on that blockchain they can know that okay it all Ten percent holders point, uh, and this transaction happened, but they can't do anything about it, right? Uh, for me to not engage into it, yes, they can make my life difficult by sort of putting a temporary ban on exchanges. That is the absolute worst they can do. But they will only do it if they can actually curb the entire situation. And B, if they do it, the risk reward is completely skewed for the Indian government, right? Either you become something like China, where you can you know you can wait to to see the advantages of the crypto if they are losing out. in terms of the ethereum development they can have they can put like 5000 people and you know push them to work day and night to create something right but in india we can't do it it's more democracy oriented it is not easy to 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 kill kill it in the in the, in the bud yeah okay i like more mr parak like right now all central bankers have been going about like, the effect that the private currencies have on like monetary policy on financial stability and things like that can you provide the other side on like uh, what would be the benefits of actually having these uh, different private currencies competing i guess that's one of your research areas i guess yeah yeah that is one of my research areas so uh, uh, crypto uh, so private currencies could have a beneficial effect in the sense of disciplining the central bank right so you could think of uh, so here private is uh, you can think of even as something like uh the case of zimbabwe for example uh where they uh where the mugabe government a uh, lot of money and then uh the currency basically lost value and then people uh basically moved to us dollar for uh for transact for transaction purposes so uh which in turn basically forced uh the government to uh, basically have some monetary uh Uh, monetary reforms 
curtail the supply uh, or have some kind of a benchmark with the US dollar so that uh, value of the Zimbabwean dollar uh, and uh, and kind of regain the ground that they had lost because of increasing the money supply. So one of the effect uh, that can be shown via examples like this as well as theoretically is that uh, it could basically have a disciplining effect on the central uh, on the uh, on the fiat money so governments cannot just uh, willy-nilly uh, keep on increasing the money supply but, uh, they, because people will always have options to shift to other payment instruments so the thing so this was the classic uh, kind of uh, dilemma that uh, Milton Friedman actually posed uh, where he said that we kind of accept the case that monopoly is bad uh, in uh, in most of the cases uh, in in the economy except if you have increasing returns to scale or something like that but we kind of take monopoly of a central we don't question it and uh, and the and there are examples in history uh, where uh, private banking notes have functioned very well and there are examples where they have failed too and we can uh, there's a bunch of research that goes into why it was successful and why it failed but overall it seems that uh, if the private currency has uh, has certain uh, certain benefits uh, sorry certain characteristics scarce in supply uh, there is a guarantee with uh, in terms of the finiteness of the supply which actually both uh, cryptocurrencies uh, the blockchain network based cryptocurrencies satisfy uh, then they could actually perform uh, as a competing payments uh, payment instrument and then that could discipline uh, the central bank in terms of not issuing too much of its payment instruments uh, currency that is there so that's so that's the disciplining effect uh, that i try to capture in my research as well and there are plenty of historical examples for that uh, uh, so uh, just one point before i stop uh, so uh, actually the central bank digital currency could uh, function as one of the alternative disciplining devices on the banking sector so uh, you can think about these different so one of the way I think about uh, currencies or payment instruments that have emerged in technologies is that uh, no single instrument can have all the advantages anyways. But every uh, payment instrument comes up with some advantage and other disadvantage. So we can kind of figure out uh, which uh, technology or which currency works better for what purposes and then think of some way of uh, creating a financial system which harnesses the, these new instruments uh, rather than uh, rather than being after them. Akshat, your take. So sure. So I'll summarize um, some key points. So first and foremost, um, the the current monetary setup has serious flaws. That is the reason why cryptocurrencies have grown at a massive scale. The adoption has been one of the fastest for anything in tech ever, right? In the human recorded history. What been massive pitfalls in how the current monetary setup is managed. Every time there is a problem, the solution is that they print more money. Every time the government prints more money, 
or the US Fed decide to print more money, it creates irreparable damage to people, especially at the bottom end of the society. Right. So that's point one. Point two. So the money printing is not an economic question; it's a political question. There is always more demand than supply of things, and in order to satiate that demand of things the solution to more money because government can literally like at zero interest rates government is literally taking free debt right if people understood this economic concept uh, on they would be demonstrating on the streets right because your and my savings we are buying them but government is getting money every time they print money there is no debt to them technically because the interest rates are close to zero so which is this is unprecedented right so this is uh, point number 2 a solution or a near perfect solution is uh, the concept of blockchain driven network that is what luke said right when he created a double entry account system we somewhat adhered to that in the fiat money till 1971 when uh, president nixon moved away from the gold standards it gave literally free power to the government to print money and that power is abused right to a very large extent and that is what has led to this crypto movement uh, now because of the nature of the technology this is not a single node that you can control or the government can control or some third party can control it is beyond there we control either you can put blanket bans like china or you can accept the fact that technology is going to be disruptive and start building systems and processes around that right so that is my short take on this entire uh, prospect of cryptocurrencies okay great i guess yeah we come to the end thanks to both of you